Take Time to Be Holy is a very familiar song to us. We've sang it often. Uh, congregations throughout at least our area in the United States often sing that song. It's very popular. Now this song was written, or the words were, written by W.D. Uh, w. Longstaff. It was set to music by George C. Stebbins. And now, tonight I want us to take a few moments and think about some of the words to this song. Uh, but I want us to, to maybe look at it a little differently than uh, what maybe we have before. When we understand this idea of uh, setting aside time, or investing our time in the idea of being holy, I think that's a foundational uh, idea to Christianity and how to be pleasing to God. Christians are to be holy, Peter said, because God is holy. 1 Peter 1, 15-16. But the truth of the matter is, we have to set aside time, and we have to actively seek to be holy. Being holy doesn't just happen to us. We have to practice that. It's like anything else in this life. We have to practice Christianity. And the more we practice Christianity, the better we get at it, right? The more we practice golf, the better we get at golf. The more we practice playing checkers, the better we get at doing that. And so when we practice faithfulness, we become more faithful. When we practice holiness, we become more holy. Let's listen to the words of Paul. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 14. I apologize, I bit the side of my tongue, so it may interfere with my speaking just a little bit. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. When we look at this word, redeem, that word means to, to buy up or to purchase back. It means uh, to rescue from loss or to improve opportunity. We redeem the time. We can lose time or we can use time. And God expects us to use time. Paul expects us to use time because time matters. That's the title of the sermon this evening. Time matters. I think sometimes we don't understand the, the true value of time. We just kind of uh, uh, think, well, I, I intended to do certain things today and I didn't get around to it, and so uh, I moved that to the top of the list, and we kind of do that day after day. It's almost impossible for anyone to accomplish all of the things they wish to accomplish in one day because we eventually run out of time to do those things. But if we looked at time as if it were a bank account, uh, we have 86,400 seconds deposited into our bank account of time every day. Uh, what would we do if, if that were actual money? If, if money was deposited into a bank account every day in our name, but you had to use it today because when you went to bed tonight, and you woke up the next morning, it's empty, you can't use it again, it doesn't roll forward, we can't borrow against tomorrow, no overdrafts are allowed, 
What would we do with that money? Well, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd withdraw every cent of it every single day. When the bank opened at 9 or whatever time the bank opens, I'd go withdraw $86,400 every single day. I wouldn't lose a cent of that money. But now let's look at it in the idea of time. I don't know that the world values their time. Time is a very valuable thing. Time matters. Time is very important. Uh, I want us to maybe realize the value of time just a little bit better by considering some of these thoughts. To realize the value of one year, let's ask the student who failed his final exam. To, To realize the value of one month, Let's ask a parent who has a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, let's ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one day, ask the day laborer who works for today to feed his large family. To realize the value of one hour, ask the couple who are in love who are waiting to see each other. To realize the value of one minute, Ask the person who missed the train, the bus, or the plane. Now, if we want to realize the value of one second, ask the person who survived an accident. If we want to realize the value of a millisecond, ask the person who won the silver medal in the Olympics. Time matters. And like anything else in this life, we have to set aside portions of our time to be holy, to be faithful to God, to please God. It doesn't just happen to us, right? We don't wake up one morning and we're we're faithful Christians. Even when we obey the gospel initially, right? We're just starting. We're having to learn some things. There are going to be things that we don't understand. There may be things that we still engage in on some level that we didn't realize were wrong. But when we realize those things are wrong, we practice that and we get better at it and we don't do it any longer, right? Or we begin to do it when we were leaving something off, whatever the case may be. I think a fair question is, why should I take a portion of my life, my time, and dedicate it wholly to being holy? I think that's a fair question. Well, let's notice for a few moments, some thoughts regarding that. We're going to begin with our first point, is it is our obligation to use a portion of our time to practice being holy. Now, the second verse of the song we just uh, sang, it encourages us to take time to be holy, the world rushes on. That's one of the reasons... We have to particularly focus on setting aside a time. One of the reasons is we're busy. There's a lot going on in this life, right? If you've got children or you've ever had children or you have babysat children, you've got places to be, appointments to make. They need something all the time, don't they? Always needing something. A baby. Always needing someone to feed the little fella. Always needing someone to change his or her diaper. She can't do or he can't do in my... In my experience, it was always a she. They couldn't do anything for themselves, right? It took time to take care of that child, and so that took up a great portion of the day, didn't it? 
And when they do go to sleep at night, they don't sleep all night long, do they? No, not at all. They sleep in between you getting up to go get a, a diaper or whatever the case may be, and then when you close your eyes to go to sleep, they're wide awake. And so, you know, they're always needing something. Now, sometimes we get so caught up in life that we miss out on life. We miss out on the things that are important, right? Time is very important. Uh, James said this, talking of time, this is a, a familiar verse to us, James 4, beginning with, with 13. He said, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, we'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. Now James says, Whereas you do not know what will be on the, on the morrow. He says, Now listen, Everybody who's made plans for the next year, we're going to go do this and that. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't make a plan for six months from now and say, this is exactly, I know what I'm going to be doing. Now, we may make a plan, but we don't know if that'll be the plan that we carry out when that time comes, right? And then he goes on to say, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. A vapor's here and it's gone. Do we need to prepare for the future? Do we need to plan for the future? Absolutely, we need to. But we need to live in the present and we need to do the things today that God wants us to do. I heard someone say one time, there are no tomorrows because when they get here, they're today. We can't live in tomorrow. We can't live in yesterday. All we have is right now, today. And when tomorrow gets here, it's today. So there aren't any tomorrows in the sense of using that time, taking time to be holy. And we look at this idea of uh, placing our efforts in other directions. Listen, we have to place our efforts in other directions, but we have to understand a few things. Do we ever worry about the things in this life? Anyone who says, I don't worry about anything, is either being dishonest or maybe they're not at themselves, right? They're not at themselves. Because I don't know of anyone who doesn't worry. Now, we need to be aware of our obligations in this life, but we need to be particularly aware of our obligations to God. Christ said this, Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we worry about all sorts of important things. And God doesn't want us to ignore those important things. Our children need to be at certain places at certain times because it's good for them, right? And so we need to do that. I need to be somewhere at certain times because it's good for me or or whatever the case may be. We need to shoulder those responsibilities and do that. We need to go to work and support our families, right? We need to do that. And God expects us to do that. But He doesn't expect us to do that to the detriment of our salvation, and to the exclusion of Him. He doesn't want that. When we get so caught up in the whirlwind lives that we live, we begin to miss out on our children, we begin to miss out on our husbands and our wives, we begin to miss out on the fellowship we have with our friends, we begin to miss out on God. And that is not what He ever intended. It's almost like not being able to see the forest because of all the trees in the way, right? 
Sometimes we need to back up. And we need to look at the bigger picture and we need to say, where do I need to insert myself? Where do I need to take portions of my time and use it for whatever needs to be used for? Does God expect us to sit around all the time with the Bible open, reading the passages preserved for us? No. But He expects us to take a portion of our time that He has blessed us with and be doing that exact thing. Well, we've seen some of the reasons why we need to focus on choosing a portion of time to be holy. Because we're busy. I'm, I don't know when I'm, when I'm not in a hurry, to be honest with you. It seems like every time I'm going somewhere, I'm in a hurry. When I'm doing something, I'm in a hurry to finish it and move on to the next thing. I'm always in a hurry, it seems like. And I'm not the only one. I think probably all of us here feel like we're in a hurry. Right? Well, what's our response to that? We see the reasons of our obligation of having to set aside time. But what's our response to those reasons? Well, the key thought upon which the song we just sang is based on holiness must be pursued. That's our response. We see the reasons for that interfering with our lives, not being able to do that. So what's the, what's the response? Pursue holiness. Do it anyway. Put it where it needs to be. The writer of Hebrews said, Hebrews 12 verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Paul warned Timothy. Second uh, Timothy 2 verse 22, he said, Flee youthful lust, but he didn't stop there. Get away from sin, but he said, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now that's holiness. And that's what we're to do. Holiness, in reality, is a fruit of service to God. But now being made free from sin, Romans 6.22, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, in the end, everlasting life. If we can be holy and we can produce holy fruit, we will have everlasting life. That's a promise. We sang that song tonight, didn't we? Standing on the promises of God. If I stand on the promises of God, I can't fail. If I stand on the promises of God, I can't fall. But when I step off of the promises of God, I will both fail and fall. And so if I live in the promise of God, I'm going to be in heaven when this world is over. But holiness has to be perfected, or it has to come to completion, right? That's what this word perfected means. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Letting holiness come to the conclusion it needs to come to. To, to the point where it needs to be. Holiness needs to be simply a way of life. And it becomes that way when we practice holiness. So how do we accomplish the task? We see that there's an obligation. Let's notice the application. There has to be an application of being able to incorporate this. We need to take some of our time to spend with God in prayer. That's one application. 
Prayer is extremely important. The words of the song encourage us to abide in Him always. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. We need to be praying to God and we need to be meditating on the teachings of Jesus. We need to think about His doctrine, right? It also suggests that we we speak off with the God of heaven, right? We, we are to commune with Him through prayer, forgetting in nothing His blessings to seek. That's our whole point, right? Following after, seeking after holiness. Now, we, we need to examine ourselves. Each of us need to say, do I spend time with God? And that manifests itself in different ways, right? It manifests itself in prayer. It manifests itself in study. And it manifests itself in worship. Do I spend time studying the doctrine God has delivered to us? Do I spend time praying to God, communing with Him? And do I spend time worshiping God? If I'm going to be holy, I have to practice those things, right? I can't do it once a month or once every six months or something like that. I have to do it consistently. It has to be a part of my life. I was talking with some of the fellows tonight and was talking about you know, the idea of losing some weight. Well, how do you do that? It has to be a lifestyle change. You know, I've lost weight and I've gained weight. I can lose weight fast, but let me tell you something, I can gain it back even faster. When you change your lifestyle and it becomes who you are, then you maintain what you've got, right? If, if I change my lifestyle and I say, okay, I'm going to be a Christian and I obey the gospel, I look out into the audience, we're all Christians, we understand what that is, the plan of salvation, faith and repentance and confession and baptism. So I've dedicated myself to changing my lifestyle. Now, what if I changed my lifestyle like I changed my eating habits? You know, here back, what was it, a year ago this past 4th of July? We, we spent some time over at Clay and Margaret's and we had a big meal and I was in the process of being on diet and I'd lost a lot of weight. Let me tell you something. My girl said I was really looking good. Okay? Now, I don't know if, if they were telling me the truth or not. But anyway, you know what happened? I changed my eating habits, but I fell off the wagon. So I gained all that weight back. Now, what if my Christian life was like that? I'm going to dedicate myself to Christ. I'm going to dedicate myself to God. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. And then six months into it, I fall off the wagon. And now I begin living a sinful lifestyle again. That's not practicing holiness, is it? To lose the weight, you have to change your lifestyle. To keep it off, you have to maintain that lifestyle. To get rid of sin, you have to change your life. To keep it away... You have to maintain. And that's what God expects. That's the application, right? I spend time with God in prayer. I spend time in study. I spend time in worship. Jesus sacrificed Himself so that we could participate in all three of those aspects. So I could pray to God. So I could pay attention and study His Word and so I could worship Him. The writer of Hebrews talked about that, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We need to obtain mercy. We need to find grace because we need help in times of need. And if we're not going to 
live that life, there's not going to be any help. Jesus is ready to make intercession on our part if we go to God in prayer and if we're living a holy lifestyle. Hebrews 7.25, the writer says, "...whereby He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them." We cannot overestimate the importance of prayer. That's one of the applications. Here's another application. We need to spend time with God in prayer, but we need to spend time with people. Now, those people may be our brethren, or it may not be our brethren, right? But we need to spend time with people. We need to to make friends with God's people. There's not a group of people in the world that ought to be our best friends, more so than Christians. Now, that doesn't mean Christians are our only friends. I have a lot of friends who are not Christians who are good friends of mine. But we ought to be drawn to people who are Christians, those Peter called of like precious faith, those who live the lifestyles that we want to live, right? Those who help us do that. The first Christians, <clears throat> excuse me, consistently did that. They spent time with the brethren. Notice Acts 2.46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They knew how important it was to set aside time to spend with others. That's an encouragement, isn't it? If someone is trying to get to the same spot you're trying to get to, boy, isn't it, doesn't it seem so much easier if you have someone with you? You're hiking a trail, you're trying to get to the top, and you know, even if it's an easy trek, like maybe going to Clingman's Dome, it's paved, but it's elevated, right? almost straight up it seems like years ago Nicole and I went to the Smoky Mountains and we we walked to Ramsey Cascade that's that's eight miles round trip and let me tell you something that last 10 feet actually it's more than that is straight up looks like a staircase I got 30 feet from the top and I told Nicole I said go on I'm staying here I'd had it and I was done and you know what, if, if she hadn't been with me, you know what I'd have done? Turned around and started back right then, I'd never seen it. She said, we're 30 feet from there. And then it's level. I said, okay. So when we spend time with people we love who have the same lifestyles we have, it encourages us to carry on and to be successful, right? That's why it is so important. And I tell, I tell young people this, marry a Christian. Right, marry a Christian. It's not sinful to marry someone who's not a Christian, but boy, it makes life a lot more difficult sometimes. Right? Not every time, but sometimes. Marry someone who will help you get to heaven, not someone who will impede you getting there. And we need, we need to come together. We have an opportunity to come together when we worship on Sundays, when we come together for Bible study on Wednesdays, in just different times, right? That's why the writer of Hebrews talked about not forsaking the assembly in Hebrews 10, 25. But the verses prior to that talk about why. We exhort each other. We encourage each other. Right? We provoke one another to love and to good works. We have people who are rooting for us and helping us get there. We need to set time aside to be holy and to practice holiness. Using part of our time with which God has blessed us includes service to those people around us, right? We serve those around us. We do that by helping those who are weak 
It doesn't matter whether that's physically or spiritually. Someone may have, uh, Sister Susan, uh, she had a terrible accident. She won't walk for three months. Can't put a bit of weight on her. She needs a little help. That's physically, right? But sometimes we come across uh, brethren and we'll all be there at some point who need someone else to encourage us. And so we need to encourage others, right? And Paul talked about that. And, you know, comfort those around you with the same comfort God's given you. And so we need to take time to do that. Um, you know, and that's not just a good uh, suggestion. First Thessalonians five fourteen through 15, uh, Paul talks about comforting the weak, being patient toward all men, doing the things that God expects us to do, right? And uh, Paul told the elders at Ephesus, Acts 20, verse 35, he said, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, there's this movement within, <clears throat> excuse me, within the churches of Christ that says you can't help someone benevolently if they're not a member of the church. Those forbidding brethren, that's the anti-movement, they couldn't be more wrong. I mean, uh, Paul laid it out, right? He, uh, he said in Galatians 6 verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know, we show the love of Christ that He has for all people when we help serve people. I've seen Jim Waldron go into places in India that, that the church has never been with a couple bags of rice and established 20 congregations because they, a tsunami had hit them or they'd had a drought. And, and he went in there with some benevolent help and he helped to feed them and they appreciated that and then they saw that they could trust him that he had had more in mind than just numbers and they said I'll listen to what you've got to say and he established whole congregations with a bag of rice so someone someone to say that we can't help a non-Christian that's blasphemous uh, to the very face of God Jesus talked about Helping others, Matthew 25, 34 through 39. Uh, and that's the, the parable. He said, uh, you know, when you were hungry, I fed you. When you were thirsty, I gave you drink. When you were naked, I clothed you. When you were in prison, I visited you. And they said, well, when, when did we see any of that? When you done it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so uh, we need to be able to do that. We must use some of our time to be with brethren and to help those in need. And when we do that, it'll change the lives of people. None, uh, the least of which is not the person doing the service. It'll change the life of the one doing the service. Now, there's an obligation to spend a portion of our time, according to the, uh, the song, Take Time to Be Holy. We see the application. And if we do those things, we'll see the culmination of God's love and our love. And that's our last point. How will it serve the one trying to be holy he'll be blessed right that's what paul said jesus said it's better to give than to receive it's better to serve than to be served jesus didn't come into this world to be served did he though he had every right to be served he came into this world to serve the person who does that will be blessed and the rendering of that obligation the application of that obligation, 
will cause a peace of mind and a calmness of the soul to envelop the person and they will realize that being faithful and following after holiness is more than anything we can be threatened with in this life or any persecution we might endure. You know, we all use a portion of our time to help serve others. And we, we may look at it and we, and we can say, well, I don't know if I do that or not. Trust me, this congregation does it. I've seen it. When you sit at the bedside, or excuse me, when you sit at the bedside of someone who's in a hospital, you're serving them. You're encouraging them. I can, uh, you know, I know, I know from, from just what little bit I've done since I've been here, uh, particularly Sister Ida sticks out in my mind. Cameron and I, or Blakely and I, would go sit at her bedside for just a few minutes. And boy, when we left, she was smiling, but we were smiling more. It was a better, greater blessing for us than it was for her. But she enjoyed it. it, it we, we were trying to serve her, and in our trying to serve someone, we were blessed, I'm sure, greater than she was. I remember one time, went to a nursing home when we were in Memphis, where Nicole worked, and there was a lady in there who had been paralyzed on one side, I believe it was her left side. And so she was obviously depressed. She, she was uh, discouraged because of that. Her life had been just altered to... It wasn't even the same life that she was used to having. And so I went in and I would sit with her, talk to her, five minutes, you know. Boy, it made all the difference in the world. When we were in Jamestown, I went in and sat with a with a, a, a man who was a World War II veteran. He didn't have any family. He didn't have any visitors. And Nicole told me about him. And I went and sat with him. And, boy, we had the best time. He was full of wisdom. And I was interested in history, and he had a lot of it. And so we serve people by that. He appreciated it, but it blessed me more than it blessed him. How did the first century Christians, how did they do all that? How were they able to have this peace of mind under the persecution, under the, the threat of persecution? How were they able to do that? Well, they devoted themselves to Christ. Paul told the Philippians, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do anything. I can put up with anything. And I can be successful in following after holiness through Christ Jesus. He's the source of my power, right? Because they gave themselves to Christ, Paul told them, Philippians 1 verse 11, that they were filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And that's why I could say, I love this passage, Philippians 4 verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm a lover of history. And uh, I've read the secular history of the period of time when Rome was, was persecuting Christians and the emperors. They could not understand how is it that Someone who's being killed because of their Christian faith can go to the stake to be burned alive, singing all the way. He said, what do you do with a people like that? You can't stomp them out. You can't kill them, can you? They don't fear death. Go to the, go to the burning stake, singing all the way. That is amazing. That is amazing. That's the peace that passes the understanding of those who are persecuting. When we serve properly, 
will have success because we become more like Christ. That's the whole point, isn't it? Following after holiness, taking time and setting aside time to practice Christianity, to practice holiness. We have to practice it. Of course, the whole goal is to become more like Christ. Christ said this Himself, Luke 6 verse 40, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now that's not sinlessly perfect. Christ's not saying we'll be sinlessly perfect. That perfect is complete. A perfect uh, a perfect circle of completeness. That's kind of how I look at it when I read that. Of course, He's the example to follow, right? He took time to be with the Father. He took time to be with people. And He took time to serve people. There's not a better example in the world. People will see the change in the life of the one who does all those things. And they'll be interested the person who can go to the cross, or excuse me, go to the burning stake, singing all the way, let me tell you, people who see that, they want to know why. The person in our day who loses everything because of a financial disaster, or who loses a loved one, or, or loses their health, and they can still have a smile on their face, not because they enjoy all those things, but because they're looking into eternity. People want to know, how is that? I'm interested in having that. Because I'm telling you, and you know it as well, the vast majority of the world goes to bed every single night unhappy. There's something missing in their lives. There's an empty hole, and they don't know what it is, and they don't know how to fill it. They don't know where they're going, and they don't know how to look for the answer. I've seen those people, and you have too. And that's why it's the responsibility of those who practice Christianity to teach others about Christianity. That's part of following after holiness, isn't it? We have to do that. When we do those things, we'll influence people. When we spend time with Jesus, when we spend time with God, people will recognize that. We've seen that. Notice uh, Acts 4 verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now we're talking about the Sanhedrin council, the Jewish leadership, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Jesus will change the life of anyone. He never left anyone unchanged. Anyone He ever came into contact with, they were changed. Now, they may not have taken advantage But they never were the same. He changed everyone he came across. Paul said, 1 Timothy 4, 15, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Our earthly success prepares us for our eternal service. We're going to be standing around the throne, aren't we? Revelation 7.15, praising God day and night. That's spoken in a language we can understand. There is no day, there is no night, it's just simply eternity, right? It's going to be lit with the very presence of God, the sun's not going to be needed, and it'll be continuous praising. And remember, we're going to reign with Christ. We'll reign with Him forever if we take time, we set aside time to practice Christianity and to practice holiness. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle Revelation 22, 5, neither the light of the sun 
For the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. We need to take the opportunity to use a portion of our time, and the proper portion of our time, to practice Christianity, to practice holiness, to practice prayer. How do you get good at praying? You pray. Right? You pray. I listened to an interview one time of a, a person who was a former boxer, and he was very good at one time, and he was talking about being able to take a punch. He said, you know, the thing about learning to take a punch, there's just one way to learn how to do it. Just take a punch. You have to be hit, right? There's only one way to learn to be a Christian. You know, after you obey the gospel and you become a Christian, then you have to learn a lot more about what it means to be a Christian, right? And you do that by practicing Christianity. How do you learn to uh, do calculus problems? You practice them, right? Listen, since Blakeland's not here, I just tell you, I despise math. I told them the other day they were talking about math. I said, please stop, you're getting that math all over me. You know, get away from me with that math. Well, to complete a degree a couple of years ago, I had to take applied calculus. I said, what in the world has that got to do with what I'm doing? But you know what? I made an A-plus in the class because I practiced applied calculus. I made an A-minus in New Testament studies, therefore I only got a 3.99 as a final uh, GPA. I was very upset about that. An A-minus in New Testament studies? That's what I, I specialize in, right? But I practiced applied calculus. How do you become a faithful Christian? You practice Christianity. You come to worship, you worship properly. You pray, you pray properly. You study the Word of God and you do it properly. That's what Paul said, rightly dividing the Word of God or handling it properly. Taking out of it what God has left, not putting into it something we want to know or we're trying to prove, right? Our time is very short here in this life. It's very temporary. We better... Get our priorities in order. Time matters. If time didn't matter, God wouldn't have given it to us. And we need to use it properly. We have time right now. We need to obey the God we look at. There's no one here that's not a Christian. But if you've become less than what you think you need to be or what you know you need to be, we have the time now. You have the time always as long as you're alive. But we especially have an opportunity right now to change that. If you want to answer the Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.